Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. All right, guys. Today we're talking again with uh, one of our, our most special guests, David Essel. David is a number one best-selling author, counselor, uh, master life coach, international speaker, and minister. Who you just want to help people out is is basically as simple as that. Ryan, it's 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 the quest that I'm on, you know, like we work with so many different topics in this world. There isn't anything we don't work with. So, you know, for 40 years now, it even shocks me to say the word 40 years. You know, I can't believe I've been doing this work this long. But for 40 years, we've had the same mantra, you know, and that is how can I help you? And how can I help you? And how can I help you? And, you know, it's what we believe that no matter what your business is, mine happens to be personal growth, but that mantra should be for everyone. You know, like, how is it that I can help you? As a matter of fact, I've got a great, really short story. A number of years ago, a woman came to me and said that she wanted to find deep love. She was in her late 30s, had never really found a great partner. And so I said, okay, well, I'm going to ask you to go and interview people that you know that have found great love. And she looked at me, she goes, David, I don't know anyone (laughs) that has found. And I said, I'll go and think about it. So she came back the next week and she said, oh, my God, my grandparents. You know, they were married 60, over 60 years. They're still alive. They, you know, are vibrant in the community. They're vibrant in church. They're vibrant with each other. And I said, perfect. Go ask them what the secret is. So she goes to her grandmother and her grandmother goes, I don't have a clue. Ask your grandfather. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, she was kind of just playing it off to push her away. And she went to the grandfather and said, you know, what's the secret to deep love? And he said, sit down. Let me tell you a story. He said, on the day that your grandmother and I married, we woke up the next day and I rolled out of bed and my feet hit the ground. And I said a prayer that I've said every day for 60 years. Dear God, allow me to do more for my wife today than she ever imagines possible and don't expect a thing in return. Show me how to serve her without question. And with that, I say, amen. And he said, honey, I've been getting up for 60 straight years every day saying it and following it with my action. And that is how we've created the love we've created. And that's service, Ryan, you know, that's service. That's, you know, like the same thing in your business. You know, I mean, you have multiple businesses, you know, every part of your business, whether you're podcasting or doing your other businesses, it's all about service. You know, how can I help you? How can I alleviate some of your stress? How can I take some of this weight off your shoulders? You know, it's, and I don't want to go into religion, even though I'm a minister, but you know, it's very Buddha-like, very Christ-like, very Mother Teresa-like, very, you know, like, how can I serve? You know, it's a, a beautiful philosophy, and it's something in stressful times, like what we're going through right now, that sometimes gets left behind. You know, we go into survival mode. We go into anxiety, depression, worry, 
And when you're ensconced in depression, anxiety, and worry, you are not thinking about serving your neighbor, your family, your partner, your, your customers. You know, you're thinking of survival. But what we have to do is realize that this is just life. The pandemic is just life. You know, 2008, I lost three houses in the great economic crash. You know, I lost everything. I mean, I started from scratch again in 2008. I never thought, Ryan, I'd have to start again from scratch. But what got me back was just getting into the mentality of service. You know, okay, when the pandemic hit, we went into this all-out service, whatever you can afford. You know, for three months, I think it was, we said, whatever you can afford to pay me, I will work with you. Again, it's service, you know. So we want to look at this time and acknowledge the stress and the anxiety and everything that's going on financially, health-wise, government-wise, race-wise. I mean, there's just insanity all over the place. But we don't have to be a part of it. That's the great news. You can make a choice by listening to Ryan and I today to start living differently. And if you do, the outcome is going to be totally different than what it might be right now. I, I told you I can probably throw my questions out because we can talk a lot. So you, you just brought up like something I try to live by, but it's not always possible. Now, I love Gary Vaynerchuk, and he always says um, when you do things for other people and you don't expect, expect something in return, that's when you really have it. And um, I try to live by that. But even myself, um, you know, stuck at home during this pandemic, you know, I look around and I'm like, oh, OK, well, why hasn't she got dressed for the day or why hasn't she cooked dinner uh, or why hasn't she or why hasn't she or why hasn't he done this or whoever it may be? How do how do I get myself and how do other people um, stop expecting so much out of other people? Boy, that's a great question. One of the hard things, Ryan, is that most of us throughout life are scorecard keepers. Doesn't matter if it's friends, neighbors, coworkers, partners, children, you know. Uh, let's see. I don't know if I want to do that for him or her because they didn't say thank you when I sent them this or they, you know, like so here's and you and I both know the power of the subconscious mind. Why it's so hard to go from our self-centeredness, which is what you're talking about, you know, the self-centered. So when you're not of service, you're self-centered. There's no other place you can be. You know, you're either opening your heart and serving people or you're shutting down. There isn't really a lot of gray room in here. But what we want to do is we want people to understand that it's, it's a choice. But the subconscious mind, when we have it patterned to be a scorecard keeper in relationships, we may have seen it with mom and dad. We may have seen it with aunts and uncles, or maybe we just created it ourselves where, you know, we, I've worked with couples where, as a matter of fact, about six months ago, I was working with a couple, Ryan, and um, every day the, the guy would bring his wife coffee at six in the, in the morning, every night, you know, or every morning. He'd go downstairs, get his coffee, bring hers up so she didn't have to get up. And it was this really cute little routine that he had. However, when she got upset with him with something and they didn't sit down and discuss it, he stopped bringing coffee up in the morning you know, very passive aggressive, right? Instead of saying, hey, I'm really frustrated with you. Can we talk about it? He just stopped doing that nice thing. Well, within a few days, she obviously recognized it and they got into a war, you know? So when I was working with him and I said, what was an alternative? He said, the best thing in the world would just be to let that go. It's not that big of a deal and to keep bringing coffee. See, if you keep bringing coffee, you're going against that small ego that says she or he doesn't deserve this. She or he doesn't. You know, if you just keep acting in service, there will come a time, Ryan, where you won't have to think about acting in service. You know, it's it just who you are. And someone does something that isn't all that copacetic and you go, OK, whatever. Take a big breath. Let him off the hook. Now, 
because as a counselor, I also believe in setting boundaries and consequences. This isn't about letting people walk all over us. You know, if if someone is disappointing us on a regular basis, instead of shutting down or becoming passive aggressive, we need to talk and to say, hey, listen, you know, this is unacceptable. Or can you tell me why you did this? Because I don't understand it. And I want to try to get into your head before I make any assumptions or before I get upset. You know, it's about that communication, that ongoing communication. I think if we start to look at this opportunity, and right now there's a lot of us still locked in our homes, you know, or going to work part time or something. So today might be this wake up call where we start to look around us and say, hey, listen, when when I'm going out into public, I want to look in people's eyes, even with masks on. I want to nod to people or muffle a hello, you know, like I want to get out of my own way. And, you know, I'll tell you, I was in the grocery store and I do this every Saturday. I go grocery shopping every Saturday and I'm in the grocery store. And I had a goal to try to connect with every person I pass in the aisle. You know, it was just a fun goal for me. You know, I'd look and go, hey, how you doing? You know, like just very out there. Now, I don't do this every time, but I decided to do it, you know, and like 80 percent of the people lit up. It was great. I felt great. Obviously, they felt great, you know, and so we need to really slow down right now and say, you know, am I living the path that I've always wanted to live? Am I open and honest? Am I spiritual or religious? Whatever terminology you like, you know, because if you claim and most people claim to believe in God, I think like 96 percent of Americans believe in God. Well, if you believe in God and if you believe there's a right and wrong way to do things, get back into your readings about God or spirituality. You know, one of my famous favorite favorite spiritual writers in the world is a guy named Thomas Merton. Uh, Thomas was a, a monk, a Trappist monk for years. Uh, he had a really rough beginning in life. He made really bad choices. And then he got on this outrageous spiritual path. Every moment of every day to him was an opportunity to devote his life to God. So, you know how like when you're driving in traffic and someone wants to get ahead of you and you don't let them? Not that anyone here would do that, but I've heard that there are people in the country that do that. Okay, well, that would be an opportunity to, to do a check-in, you know, and to pull back, let them in. Um, these are opportunities, you know, and right now I'm going to go back to the pandemic thing again. Ryan, right now, I just wrote, I think it's six articles on spirituality and the pand pandemic. You know, they're going to be heading out really quick via my publicist, TJ. And I've been inspired to slow my own life down over the last several months. And I'm going back into work I did when I was training to be a minister years and years ago. You know, I'm going back to my old books and I'm immersing myself in my writings and my readings. And the reason I'm doing it is because my brain started to go off chart. You know, I started to be getting frustrated and anxious with people. And when I noticed that I was starting to become unhappy, I knew it was me. I can't blame the pandemic. I can't blame the racist crap going on. I can't blame the jerks in Washington. I have to look within and say, wait a minute, dude, this is your choice. You know, you have a choice to get happy or not happy. You have a choice to be angry or not angry. You have a choice to argue on social media or not. You know, and everyone who argues on social media loses. Okay. There's not a winner. Everyone loses. If your small ego is so fragile, that you can't let a post go without giving your brilliant commentary, that's being a loser. You know, that's what losers do, right? So when we look at people without personal power, the number one example of someone that has no personal power is that they cut other people down. So if you see yourself on social media arguing, just understand you have no personal power. 
you want validation. You want people to say you're right. You want people to, to admit to you they're wrong. You know, like, good luck. If you want to go insane, argue on po on social media. You know, like, like, again, when we look at where we are right now, we have choices. And a lot of people are making very poor choices with this time. There are so many people that are ensconced in media. You know, one of the articles I wrote the other day is I said, one of the things that's creating the insanity in our country is CNN, Fox, ABC, NBC, CBS. They're all insanity, you know? And we have to remember something. The only way media survives is with advertising. And the only way advertising continues to come back to media is with ratings. Mm -hmm. And the only way ratings, media gets ratings is with sensationalism. So the more sensational you can be, you know, listen, I have friends of mine that are reporters for NBC, CBS, and Fox. They all tell me the same thing. The program directors are beating them to death to get the most outrageous stories on the pandemic possible. Seven days a week. Now, these are people I know very well, very respected journalists that are being pushed. And because they have to work and because they have to have a job, they're doing they're going against a lot of their own morals. So if you want to look at what's creating, we're creating the insanity by feeding into the media, you know, by arguing on social media, by watching the crap news. We're feeding into the insanity. There's no racial issues in this country other than the ones in government and media. That's where the racial issues are. You know, now, is there discontent? Yes. Is there struggle? Yes. But it's not at what it seems. Because when you have a microscope being placed on certain events in this country, and all you see for 48 straight hours is the same damn footage, it starts to sink into your head that they're wrong and I'm right. That whoever, you know what I'm saying? It's mm -hmm. like, it's crazy. So if we want to see a change in our country, the number one thing we can do is quit watching all television. And I'll tell you what, if we got enough people to quit watching television, we'd start to see some different stories <laughs> because the advertisers are going to go, I don't want to advertise on ABC. Their ratings just dropped by 15% in the last two weeks. You know, like advertisers are not going to spend money if they're not getting something in return. And so let's really logically think. Now, can you go on a 30-day media fast? Can you go on no arguing on social media? Well, for the rest of your life. Okay, social media is different. I'm just saying don't ever freaking argue on social media for the rest of your life. But what about a 30-day fast from all television, all insanity? You know, podcasts that get you riled up, radio shows that get you riled up. Cut the crap out. Tune into Ryan. Tune into other podcasters that are doing healthy, positive things. Get rid of the insanity. We're a part of it. Ryan, we're creating it. The more we talk about the race issues, the more we talk about you know, what's going on in Washington and the insanity, the more we talk about the pandemic, the worse it gets. It's fascinating. So pull back. Go deeper inside yourself. Become that little monk in your own world. You know, start reading some very deep. It doesn't matter if it's Eckhart Tolle, Deepak Chopra, Jesus Christ. I don't care what the hell you read. You know, it's like, but get your head out of the gutter and get it into something life promoting so that you can be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. Exactly. And there's so many positive things out there. Mm. Um, my main focus has always been don't do anything political because I don't I don't read about it. I don't know about mm. it. I don't I don't live in it. Um, I don't, I prefer not to be, um, absorbed with all that negativity. So, yeah, 
here we are. Stay positive. <laughs> That's right. Um, it's hard sometimes. I mean, you have to you have to certainly work at it. So you had made a great point. And um, right before we came on today, I had a meeting in our office, and we were going through emails from customers, and um, we had—I don't want to say who it was—but we re we received one who said, "Hey, please, please do this for us, or if you prefer to do this, you can pay us per month, and you can leave your uh, vehicle on site." And I thought, you know what? The negative in my head went, "You yeah, well, you know what? You didn't do this for us. You didn't do that for us, and we let this go for you." Let me write an email and start saying that, you know, look what we've done for you. Why can't you do this for us? And halfway through, I thought, no, that's not the way to do it. All right. Let it go. You can't feed negativity with negativity. So yeah. stay positive. The, the one reason I wanted to bring you back today is you had you had made a statement before we talked about marriage and we were just in the beginning of the pandemic. And I asked you, I believe, um, do you foresee a surge in marital issues as we were going through? And you said, absolutely, you're going to see a surge in it. And I believe you had already started to see it in your yeah. business. Yeah. Um, how do you see that playing out now that we're hopefully coming out, but going back in, but eventually we're going to be out of this, hopefully. Yeah. Um, where do you see marriages going once people are out and free and they realize, you know, the last couple of months have really been horrible. It's a concern with all of us counselors around the world, Ryan. You know, there's 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 a constant uptick in the number of arguments going on in households and the number of disagreements. And, you know, with children home now, you know, one parent thinks that they should be homeschooled this way, another one this, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. And then we have the political differences. You know, someone may love what's going on in Washington. Someone may hate what's going on in Washington. There's all kinds of disparity. But one of the things that will decrease this divorce rate that we see is going to be increasing, we think it's going to increase, is if people do right now what I mentioned a few minutes ago. We need to slow down and pull back. We need to evaluate, am I doing a scorecard keeping game right now? You know, um, is there, Are there certain things I need to just let my, my partner off the hook for? You know, Are there certain things that it, maybe it's this time of the month for her? Or maybe he just found out he's got slashed by 50% his hours and he's really worried about supporting the family. Like, can we get out of our own way enough for a few minutes to try to put ourselves in the shoes of our partner? I think if we can do that, I'm getting chills right now, Ryan, so I know how important this is. If we can do that, if we can slow it down, you know, we, we offer our clients something called the four and four journaling technique, which I think is the most powerful journaling technique ever created. And it's really simple. Phase number one is you write down four things that you're grateful for today, just for today. And now you could write 20, you could write two, but we just sort of give people a guidance of four. Most of us can find four things that we're grateful for. It could be the fact that we have a house, we're not homeless. It could be the fact that we have enough food in the refrigerator, even if just for today. But we want to, on a daily basis, stay in touch with gratitude. Gratitude increases self-esteem and confidence. So when you see in writing, don't do this in your head. It's a waste of time. Won't even work. Won't even help you. If you're going to drive in your car and say, oh, I'm going to do what David said in my head. Don't even bother. Crank up the music because it's not going to help you at all. But when you write it down and see, here's four things I'm grateful for, that sinks in. When you see it in your handwriting or you, you typing and you see that you're grateful for these things, it sinks in. Now, the second part is crucial. Four things that we're frustrated with. The reason for this exercise is we want to vent. We don't, whatever you submerge grows. So if you're with a partner right now and you feel you're going on that edge of going into negativity, start this exercise. And what I would do, 
And this is going to push some people's buttons. I would write down four things every day you're grateful for your partner for. I don't care if you're in arguments. I don't care what's going on. Just go ahead and do it. When you push yourself that in the point of disliking your partner that you can find four things you're grateful for for them, that's pretty powerful. And then when you write about the negatives, write their negatives, right? Like I'm frustrated with her or him for doing this, 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 and this. And then next to it, put the question, why do I think they did that? Why do I think they're doing that? In other words, here's where we get the role reversal. We get to stand in their shoes. You know, are they really stressed about the kids? And that's why they're acting out this way. Are they really stressed about the potential of losing their full job? You know, like when we do this four and four journaling technique, Ryan, we can start to slow it down and slow the relationship down. The other thing is, while a lot of people are going to wait until the pandemic is over and listen, it could be another year. It's the truth. No one has a freaking clue. People were saying back in February and March that we'd be done June 1st, that we'd be totally healed, that everyone would be reopened by June 1st. You know, as a matter of fact, I remember people saying that on Easter, we were going to be back fully mm -hmm. wide open. You know, OK, well, Easter's passed, June 1st passed. We're not even close. As a matter of fact, many states are reversing and closing down. So that tells us this isn't going to end anytime soon. This would be the perfect time if you know you're having a hard time in your relationship to start getting help. Ministers, priests, rabbis can do it at a fraction of the cost if you don't want to go to a counselor, therapist, uh, or a relationship coach. You know, you can do what you can find someone that'll work with you. Okay. You just have to keep looking and keep looking, but don't wait for the pandemic to end because we're looking, it uh, could be a year, it could be two years. And, and when you look at what could potentially happen in a relationship a year from now, if it's not being tendered to and taken care of, it's going to be gone. Can virtual counseling work? Oh, absolutely. As a matter of fact, 99% of what I'm doing is virtual counseling. Awesome. We only have about 10% of clients in the office. Um, very, very tiny. It might even be 5%, Ryan. I mean, it's, it's unbelievably tiny. But everyone else is very comfortable. And as a matter of fact, there's a lot of my clients that just want to do phone counseling. You know, they don't even want to be on video. You know, they just feel comfortable sitting in their house or out in their backyard with the phone, earplugs in, and they're going through their work, you know? So, but it, you know, and, and here's something else. I, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. When we first started, all we did was phone counseling. We didn't have video. We didn't have um, uh, uh, FaceTime. We didn't have Skype. You know, we're talking dinosaur days, baby. <laughs> and, you know, we didn't have any, but all we did, it was with the phone and no one ever complained. Everyone healed, you know? So when, when I hear people go, oh, you know, I could never do it unless I'm one-on-one. -on -one, that's just an excuse. You know, you can be one-on-one -on -one via Skype or a phone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So don't let that stuff get in the way. How, how can you present it to, the, to your significant other, whoever that may be, um, where they might not think that you have an issue, but you want to go to counseling? Yeah. You know, the best thing to do is always start it off with, you know, honey, I love you very much. And I want to make sure that our love stays strong through the pandemic for, for the years down the road. So I would like to be proactive. We're doing okay right now, but I'd like to be proactive and get help so we can even do better. Would you please join me? So in that way, you're not saying, you know, our marriage sucks, our relationship sucks, you know, you're a big part of it and we need counseling. <laughs> you know, that's never going to work, especially with guys. Oh my God. Now, the second thing is you have to understand is that your partner may not feel the same, and that's okay. It's better for one person in a relationship to go and get help than no one, because one person, believe it or not, doing the work could inspire their partner to do the work. And so oftentimes in the past 40 years, I've started usually with the wife, and a month or two months later, all of a sudden, I get a call from the husband saying, all right, you've been working with my wife. I see she's doing some pretty cool different things. Uh, do you have room for me? You know, So even if you just start with one person, that's totally fine. And if your partner comes on board, awesome. But you can do a lot of greatness just by yourself working with a professional. Awesome. Um, so, so we talk a lot about um, feelings for, for, for males, men. Uh, and trying to get those feelings out so you don't bottle them all in because that's when a lot of bad things can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're supposed to be strong, um, you know, controlling and taking care of everything. We have everything covered. Everything's good. Not in this situation. <laughs> we don't know what's going on. Who knows what's happening? So uh, how do we how do we express those feelings when, when it doesn't make you look weak? And is it okay to look weak? Yeah, you know. So instead of looking weak, why don't we use the word honest? Is it okay to be honest? So instead of, is it okay to be weak? Is it okay for a man to be honest? That's really the question. Mm-hmm. Now, some women cannot handle a man being honest because they expect the man to be the savior. And so if the man comes to them and says, oh my God, I don't know what to do during this pandemic, some women may not be able to accept that because they want to be saved and they don't want to be a partner. They just want someone to take care of everything. Now, thank God that's not a huge percentage as it was in the 1900s 
you know, going up to 1960, which is really where we started to see the, the division change of men and women's responsibilities. And then in the 70s with Betty Friedman and all these other feminists coming out of the closet, you know, it allowed women to have multiple lives, multiple roles. But before the 70s, it was very much so that the man was supposed to know everything, do everything, take care of everything. And the woman took care of the house and the kids. But she didn't know how to balance a checkbook. She didn't know how to write a check. I swear to God, you know, I still get some of these older couples in where when the husband dies and the wife has never even looked at a checkbook, you know, but thank God it's changed. So I think the question is, as a man, are you strong enough to be honest? As a man, are you humble enough to be honest? Because if a man can't be honest, he is not strong or humble. He's stuck in an old paradigm that doesn't work and it's not here anymore. So I, I think, and then the other thing is, you know, you know, I give you an example. So I have probably 90% of my staff is, is women. Uh, and then the, the lone male is TJ Turriello, my publicist, who's just freaking amazing. But I have all these women and I go to them and I ask them for help every freaking day, Ryan. Like I have gotten so humble over the years. When I first started, I had all women working for me mainly as well. And I would never ask anyone's opinion. I wouldn't say, what do you think of this book cover? Or what do you think of this new program? Or what do you think of this, you know? But just today I sent out, uh, you know, an email to one of my most trusted staff members, Mary Lou. And I said to her, hey, I'm thinking about doing this project, but I don't know if it's a good idea. Here's the benefits. Here's the downside. Give me your thoughts. You know, like that's being humble as a man, right? Like to, now I find it easy to do, but I have a leg up because I've been doing this work for so long. If you're a guy and you're looking at this and you're going, there's no way in the world I'm going to say to my wife, hey, we're in the middle of this pandemic and we're hitting this financial crunch. Where do you think we should start cutting expenses? Which is exactly the conversation a man should have. You know, we want what's called in relationships interdependency. That is the most beautiful marriage or a relationship you can ever have is when you're in an interdependent relationship. So a codependent relationship would be the old relationship where the man takes care of all this stuff. The woman takes care of all this stuff. And we, you know, the guy says, I don't want to raise kids. Get that crap out of here. That's a dirty diaper. That's not what I do, you know? And, and so we've got to, you know, knock all that down and we've got to get to the reality that for us to have interdependent relationships, which I'll define in a second, we have to be humble, real, and vulnerable, honest. Now, this is what an interdependent relationship looks like. An interdependent relationship is two people who have committed monogamously to each other that have made a decision that they want the relationship and their partner to be as happy as possible. In an interdependent relationship, both people usually have separate friends. They maybe have a separate hobby that they do. In other words, they're not codependent on each other. Everything doesn't have to be together. They have their own life. And then they come back together, Ryan, and they talk about going out with the girls and they talk about going to the game with the guys or going to the gym or whatever it is. You know, you have something to talk about outside of that relationship, which is hugely important. Then the other thing that differentiates uh, inter interdependent relationship is the communication style. In the interdependent relationship, the man doesn't feel emasculated by asking his partner if it's a woman for her advice or for her help. You know, an interdependent relationship says, I trust you so much and I value you so much. I want your input. I'm not sure what to do here. And we're, whether we're talking about parenting skills, financial skills, health skills, whatever it might be, an interdependent relationship is that back and forth. 
here, let me give you my ideas on this. Awesome. Now, let me give you my ideas on this. And we don't take it as a slight. You know, we're not insecure. We realize that our partner may have a different opinion and maybe they're right, for God's sake. <laughs> Did you ever think about that? Maybe if you ask them enough for their opinion, they'd blow your mind. <laughs> I can't admit that. <laughs> <laughs> Of course not. <laughs> but, but I can tell you, you know, by by having the, the variety of women in my life on all different levels is that I'm blown away, you know, all the time with their insight, their wisdom, um, their their intuition. You know, they're brilliant. Women are brilliant. But if we're raised in an environment where we think that there's roles to be played and it has to be in a role, then you're going to shut down the brilliance of your woman in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's like, you know, that classic, you're driving around in the car and the guy's lost and the woman goes, I wonder if we should pull over and ask for directions. Now, there's a brilliant woman. <laughs> you know, that's it's like, that's brilliant. And the guy's going, no, I'm going to figure this out because I'm John freaking Wayne. You know, John Wayne wouldn't ask directions. That's because there was no one asked directions. <laughs> the, the best things that happen, even in our office here, uh, happen when I shut up. <laughs> you're so true, Ryan. Right. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah, I love David, it, David. You're so positive, and I like to, to also be as positive I can be. Um, what positives have you taken out of this this whole pandemic? Well, I, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. One of the most beautiful things that's happened is I saw that I went back into my workaholic nature, Ryan. You know, it's one of those tendencies of an addiction that I have, and I've had it for 40 years. You know, um, I, I, I have this program in my mind, and a lot of us guys do, that, you know, if we're productive, if we're working, and we're not productive, if we're not. Well, for a number of years, I was able to corral it. And then I'm going to say probably about four or five years ago, I went off chain again. The pandemic has been a beautiful thing for me because it showed me the workaholic attitude I had fallen back into. So what that meant for me was cutting way back on my hours. Um, it meant really taking care and reading a lot more. I mentioned earlier, you know, I've, I've gone in the last couple of months way back into my ministerial work, my, my spiritual work. I mean, it takes up a lot of my day now. And so one of the most beautiful things that's come out, and it can for anyone, is that it shows us our weaknesses. You know, that's what the pandemic is offering. It shows us our weaknesses. And then it's up to us if we want to work on those weaknesses or not. You know, if, if you're really uh, insecure about money, this pandemic is going to drive you to drink, overeat, um, do crazy stuff, you know. And so maybe what you need to do if you're really anxious about money, and it's not saying you shouldn't have anxiety about money during the pandemic, but you've got to be able to corral that so it doesn't turn you into a procrastinator that's not doing the work necessary to make money. And we want to look at this and slow it all down. You know, look, what is it showing you? I would do the exercise in writing. You know, what's coming up? Am I seeing that I'm insecure? Am I seeing that I'm extremely irritable? Am I seeing that I'm filled with anxiety? Am I back to insomnia? You know, what's going on? Now, one of the things that exposed my workaholism is that in February, um, before it really hit the U.S., the pandemic destroyed our base in Europe. Now, we have a huge base of European clients. And when Italy and, and London and all those countries got destroyed in February, we saw this huge half of my business was gone in February. So then when March hit, I started to see the anxiety that was coming up inside because I wasn't working 12 hours a day. And that was a beautiful sign because then I could do something about it. 
you know, when I saw my anxiety start to rise and I looked at it and said, okay, I understand there's a pandemic, I understand, but, but why am I so freaking anxious? It's because I had no work. Half of my work was gone, right? So now I'm sitting here twiddling my thumbs going, oh my God. And I let my brain take over. And those two weeks of high anxiety though, ended up answering or opening up a great door for me and allowing me to see that that workaholism had crept back in for the last four years. And now I had something to do about it. Now I could settle myself down. You know, we have, we have a brand new uh, project coming up in a couple of weeks, Ryan. It's a four week webinar called Mind Power. And in this four week webinar, every week we're gonna be talking about different ways to manage the mind, clear the mind, control the mind during the pandemic. Hmm. <clears throat> and, and it's crucial, you know, we need to be looking at different ways to express the anxiety, express the depression, express the worry without getting sucked into the vortex of it. The mind's natural fallout tendency is negativity. The unaccompanied mind is always gonna go to negativity and worry. Right now, when I say unaccompanied, I mean that's the person that's not in control. They don't have daily routines set up. They don't have things for their mental health. You know, in, in the four-week course, we're going to talk about the difference between contemplation and how that affects your mind, meditation, how that affects your mind, how to reverse thought processes of anxiety, depression, worry, you know, all those kind of things. We're going to be spending four straight weeks, one hour every week, Ryan going over it. And, you know, again, I'm going to say this as a positive. When I went through that withdrawal in February and I saw that my addiction to workaholism had crept back in, I had to make a conscious effort and a conscious plan to deal with that. Or, you know, when people don't deal with those anxieties and that withdrawal, we will go to overeating, overdrinking, anger, uh, irritability, lack of patience, all that kind of stuff is normal. So during the pandemic, look, what is it exposing? What are you overly worried about, overly concerned about? And overly is the word. I can sit here, Ryan, and say to you that, you know, I'm a little concerned with the economy, that our clients aren't going to recover as much, and they're not going to be able to come full back into, I can say I'm a little worried about that. But in February, I was a nutcase. <laughs> you know, in February, for those couple of weeks, I just let my mind take over. And then in March, I realized, wait a minute, I am the master. My mind is not the master. I need to start doing things to slow down and get back in control. And when I did that and started coming up with all these different ideas that I had for my own healing, that's when we decided to do the four-week webinar, Mind Power. Nice. Perfect. Um, this is like free therapy for me. <laughs> I love it, Ryan. <laughs> uh, truly. So I have two questions from the office. Okay, good. Um, and I, I taught one's from Tanya. I, I asked her, I told you you were coming on. She saw your interview before. Uh, she said, you're awesome. After an argument with her husband, how does she stop from dwelling? How can she just be done with it? Accept the apology and, and, and be good. Hit her hand with a hammer. <laughs> She'll totally forget about anything that he did said. <laughs> <laughs> pain will radiate and she'll be fine. She, he'll be off the hook. And um, so I'm going to go back to Ryan, to writing Ryan. Um, so this is what I would recommend to Tanya. I would recommend every time she gets upset with her husband. Now I, I have to make this little bit of a code here. 
as long as it's not something, you know, like an affair or emotional abuse or physical abuse or addiction. Okay. If, if it's something big and heavy and hairy like that, you've got to go get help. But if it's less consequential, what I would say to her is go to a place, go to, go to the bathroom, sit on the toilet, shut the door. If that's the only place you can get privacy and immediately write a letter of forgiveness to him. I forgive you for acting out in front of the kids. I forgive you for being impatient with me at the grocery store. I forget. In other words, go right into forgiveness. Don't. And now if it's a pattern that's ongoing, then you're going to have to address it. But if there's little things that's irritating her along the way, then I say as quickly as possible, just, and you can't do it here. Don't trust your brain. Just go right into honey. I forgive you for doing X. If we do that on a regular basis, there will come a point where we don't even have to write anymore, Ryan. We'll just take a big breath and let it go. Remember that scorecard love. You know, it's funny. In 2004, our first big book came out um, with a company called Hay House Club Publishing. And it was called Slow Down, The Fastest Way to Get Everything You Want. And we write about that in here, in the book. You know, we write about going into forgiveness immediately. Because unless it's something that is a pattern that's constantly happening, especially during things like the pandemic, there's going to be irritability that people don't even know why they're irritable. You know, they haven't tapped into the fact that they've got huge anxiety about money, health, business, whatever. And they're just knee jerk reaction. You know, they're just like, oh, I don't want to hear that right now. You know, they're being coarse and they're being short and all that kind of stuff. So this is where we take a step back and forgive. But also with Tanya and anyone else in that situation, if the same pattern that continues to frustrate you happens on a regular basis, that's where we're going to need that professional help. Okay, cool. Uh, last question. Is it okay to not be okay? Is it okay to not have a plan? Is it okay to have anxiety? Is it okay to to, you know, you're not perfect, to not be perfect, to make mistakes. Is it okay? Yeah. Um, if we're not okay with our humanness, we're screwed. You know, we're absolutely screwed. Um, if you think about people, I'm going to go, because, you know, so much of my work in the world of ministry, you know, there's a lot of ministers, priests that have made a devotion to God and a devotion to service that error all the time that make mistakes all the time. You know, sin means to error. I don't like the word sin because people have taken the word sin and made it into some nasty goblin that it isn't. All it means is to make a mistake. To sin just means to make a mistake. So let's just understand that part of the human process is making mistakes. Nelson Mandela, a great story that I love to share as often as possible. You know, he was an attorney in South Africa. He joined the ANC, the African National Congress. And for the beginning of his career, he worked on the peacemaking side of the ANC. The ANC has always had two arms, the violent arm of the ANC and the diplomatic arm. So he was working with the diplomatic arm of the ANC, trying to get whites and blacks in South Africa to get along, trying to get government uh, 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 passages passed, and it wasn't getting anywhere. So he transferred to the radical militant side. He got caught with several comrades blowing up white businesses. That's how he got in jail for 27 years. He didn't get into jail because he forgot that he was an altar boy and didn't make it to mass one day. <laughs> this dude was blowing up freaking buildings, okay? In 27 years of prison, he radically changed his entire belief system, mindset, 
and he came out a radically changed man. Now, even as a radically changed man, the rumors are he still had affairs on his wife when he got out of prison and he did things that weren't perfect. So to answer your question, to err as a human is part of the process. To accept the error is the problem. When we justify, rationalize, and defend why we flipped the bird at someone, why we screamed at our partner, why we put our partner down in public, you know, if we want to rationalize and defend everything, well, we're screwed because there's no chance of healing. But if we can go, wow, I can't believe I did that in traffic. I need to apologize. You know, I can't believe I said that to my partner. I need to apologize. I can't believe I said that to my children. If we make an error and we make amends for it, we're fine. That's just being human. But if we make an error and we justify, rationalize, and defend it, which most of us love to do, then that's where we get into trouble, Ryan. Awesome. Well, you can see it scrolling across the bottom of the screen, davidessel.com. <laughs> uh, David, you're, you're always awesome. Is there anything we should look for, which we should be looking out for in the next couple of weeks? I, you know, you mentioned a few things. You want to go over them again? Yeah, we've got a bunch of fun things coming up. You know, probably the biggest one is the new Mind Power webinar. And that's the one I encourage everyone to join. It's outrageously inexpensive. I mean, it's everything is at davidessel.com or talkdavid.com, as Ryan said. Um, it's four weeks, an hour on the day on the webinar. And, and we're going to really give you tools. I mean, massive action steps to help you learn how to control the mind during the pandemic with your relationships, with your money or lack of, with the health. With the word, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but my mom is dying of dementia and um, my dad is extremely ill as well. They're both invalids. Thank God we have them in their house. We can't believe we have them in their house and they have 24 hour care with hospice because my mom, my mom is dying with this type of turmoil that's going on. So, you know, I'm not the only one. I've got a ton of clients with moms and dads in nursing homes that they can't see for God's sake. You know, I happen to be fortunate. I can FaceTime with my mom and dad. I can at least see them, even though I live quite a ways away from them. But, you know, when there's this kind of stuff going down, we need to really focus on this. You know, this is the savior or it's the condemner. If we don't learn how to turn that mind around and be able to live on a daily basis through the stressors of the pandemic, Ryan, it's going to be hell over the next six months. So, I, you know, of all the things we've going on, I think that mind power webinar is the biggest. Awesome. David, I appreciate it. Ryan, I have so much fun with you, brother. Absolutely. <laughs> I wish we were closer. I know. It's so darn true, man. Yep. I awesome. agree. You definitely help a lot of people out and uh, you definitely help me out. Good. Good. I appreciate and I it. Love, I love the questions from your gang, you know, Tanya and anyone else. I mean, next time we're on, yeah, get, get, get a list of them and we'll just go through and help everyone, Ryan. Absolutely. Appreciate it so much. Okay. You have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you. Okay. Why not? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you're looking for social media content for your contracting business, painting contractors, carpenters, electricians, any type of contractor, please check us out on Instagram at Amato Media or check us out on LinkedIn. 
we can definitely help you all out. So have a great day.